You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Podcast, your questions podcast every Wednesday at GoPowerCat.com. That means it's Wednesday. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, Rowdy Gates, Zach Carlson, and alongside today is The Fridge. They're sitting in with us. The entire staff is right here in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. All 93 of them. I made up a number. 93 of them. I was going there and I was I'm like, you know what? How many of these people know me because we talk about them on the podcast and they're just like, you guys are idiots. That's what I'm going for. That's fair. I wouldn't be shocked. You know? I wouldn't be shocked. Well, I like doing things that make people go in and say something stupid to them to baffle them so that they know... Our peeps are listening to the podcast and going to their store, and by God, it works. Riley Gates. It's fair. That is good advertising. Get to the fridge. It's game week. It's drink week. The fridge. It's always drink week. Shush. That was their ad. We're sponsored by Tanner's in this half of the podcast. You know, go to Tanner's on Saturday, after the game, before the game, during the game, if you don't have tickets. By the way, if you're a lonely person and need one ticket, I know someone who's going alone with two tickets. His name is Purple My Nurple. I thought you were going to say Becky. Becky goes with my family. It's a beautiful thing. K-State, TCU on Saturday, 1.30 p.m. Weird kickoff nowadays. I'm not used to that. On FSN, weird station. They don't do many games anymore. But just enough to say, hey, you're on actual TV, but you're still a crappy game. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty fair analogy right there. I mean, Fox doesn't even own FSN anymore, if I'm correct. How can they not own it but be named Fox Sports Net? I don't know. Licensing? I don't know how it works. Mm. Just keeping the name? Who owns it then? I'm not sure who owns it. So we're not sure if they don't own it or not. Well, Disney bought Fox, but then they, they didn't want that. Yeah, they couldn't 
It's a, actually Fox Sports Net is a network of like regionalized stations. Some owned by Fox, some not owned by Fox. So they just spun it off into its own thing. It's weird. It's really weird. It needs to come up with a catchier name like Whammo Sports. <laughs> oh <Okay>. no! What? <laughs> it's a channel Channel Four news team. Sports with Champ Kind. Yep. Whammo. It's whammy, but ah, damn it. we were close. Jesus. I was going to let it go, but I was like, you know what? If I let that go, people are going to think that I don't know my movies. And I just could not let that happen. We struggled with the podcast questions this week, uh, partly because one of us forgot to put the uh, podcast question thread up damn in it. a timely manner. Damn it, Zach. But. <laughs> it's okay. Here comes the bus. Um, but. In his defense, he was out having a full and rich and beautiful life, enjoying friendship of other souls. Yes. It was a good day. It was a good day. It was Riley. That was in. Oh, I thought that was obvious. In his duties. So uh, the last half of this segment is basically the Purple Powerhouse Power Hour. (laughs) But we've got other questions, and let's start there. Here's Zach. From no talent as clown. Mm, that's with two Z's. Do I you, made him do that. Do you th- <laughs> do you think Skyler performs better under center or out of the shotgun in this offense? Under center. Why they stopped doing it, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not saying that there's not a path to success out of the gun. The problem is they put him in. It's almost like a few times when they put him in the gun. It's like last year's staff calling the plays. Bizarre. I want to say it was third and short. I, I'm making. I might be making this up. I forget what the situation was. Definitely out of shotgun when you should have been under center. And there is a time and a place for everything. I'm sure it, it made sense to run the play. I'm not. Again, I'm not trying to act like I'm smarter than the coaches. However, I know that if it's if it's third and three or shorter, what the hell are you doing in a gun? Any of you out there that have time on your hands, love college football, and want to do my work, um, I want you to get in connection with your inner Ross Uglum. Go through every offensive snap this team has had in its five games and tell me game by game how many were under center and how many were the shotgun. I would love that information, but not enough to sit through all those games and do it myself. You could actually speed through it, but I think they've gotten away from it. I think they've gotten away from some of the things that were successful in the first three games. And in their off, uh, their intent to streamline or do different things, they just got away from the base of what was working. It's just my hot take. Take it or leave it. From Contra Cat, what is the Malik Knowles uh, deficit this week, meaning what do we lack without him? I mean, the easy answer is the playmaker, your best receiver. It's just not, another not, threat. He's not the best receiver. He's the okay, the most most targeted receiver. <laughs> what you're missing is Skylar Thompson's security blanket. Except he overused the security blanket. But, but he proved it to me that he feels good about that's who I want to throw the ball to. You've you thought that was like a – are you saying like that you, – you felt comfortable with that? No. Oh, okay. Okay. He's comfortable with that. I think he's put too much – this is my penny psychological breakdown here. He's put too much into the fact that 
We have Malik. We don't have Malik. Well, who am I going to throw to without Malik? I don't know. Just run the damn offense. Guys are open. Watch the film. There's no no explanation you can give me as to why he should have gone, what was it, three or four passes, literally, Malik, 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 Malik. And it's not like he was completing 20-yard bombs. And he wasn't open, open. Yeah. He was covered, but Skyler was comfortable making that throw. Be comfortable with your other guys. I I just yes it's nice to have Malik but once again Malik and I've said this a lot Malik Knowles is not what's hurting this offense that's becoming a crutch that everybody wants to use to say that oh if only we had Malik then a lot of things would be different no it, Malik's not on the offensive line Malik's not in the running game Malik it's not like Malik has been a Bolitnikov hopeful this year this offense has a lot of issues Malik being injured hurts like a you-know-what, but it's not the reason that they're so bad on offense right now. Would they be better with Malik Knowles? Hell yes. Is it the end of their throwing game? Hell no. I mean, it's there's still stuff there. Phillips Brooks was open. He was. He got himself open. Uh, they're they're going to have to learn to live without him apparently for a while, which is a darn shame. Also from Contra Cat, will they attempt any more North Dakota State signature passing offense with screens, wheels, running backs to the flat, or are we just very limited? I mean, they'll attempt them, but they just lost their best pass-catching running back in Jordan Brown, or what we believe to be the best. Chris Clement said something interesting about D. Scott asked him about TCU's effectiveness on third downs, particularly getting three and outs. And he said they do a good job at taking away the easy throw, covering the wheel routes and the tight ends. He mentioned that. So it's like, well, they take away everything you want. we would want to do, so now we have to find something we can do. And he said Skyler's going to have to make some tough throws. So I, I don't know. I, this is a good defense. It'll be a well-coached defense, so carving out what you can and can't do uh, is pretty essential in getting to it quickly. They got to find stuff that works. And they just they have to find some momentum and play with emotion. But, yeah, they, they've gotten away. I agree. They're not doing some of the things we expected them to do. And maybe there's an underlying reason they don't think they can do it. I think I, I think they can. I do, too. I, I don't see it the way they, they see it in fairness. But I, I don't see anything that stands out to me and says, wow, you can't do that. Because we haven't seen them do it enough to believe... They can't do it, oh, no. and they've had success when they do do it. I was good in Tecmo Bowl. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> From KSU number one, do you feel better or worse coming out of the bye week? I have no, I no nothing. I, I it's too early in the Chris Kleiman era to understand bye weeks, and I honestly think people felt better about Snyder coming out of bye weeks than matched up with reality. I think there was a time when he was really good out of bye weeks, and I don't think it was quite the same. Now, someone will do the research and prove me wrong on that. But just because they were bad out of the first bye week doesn't mean they'd be bad out of this. You know, one is not a sampling. That's one. So maybe they'll be really good coming out of this. And if they're bad, look at it this way. That's the last bye week. So, And Chris Kleiman mentioned that again. He said, we need some rhythm here. You can't have these two bye weeks right in a row like this. I don't feel any more or less confident in this team than I did when the buzzer sounded against Baylor. Well said. That was a very succinct way of saying everything I said, but better. 
I just, I mean, honestly, I've moved into the phase where I'm like, all right, I haven't seen them do it consistently enough to feel really good about them, you know, as good as I was when I picked them to win at Mississippi State. But I also haven't seen so much bad out of them that I'm like, well, they'll lose this one and they'll lose this one, and clearly they're going to lose to KU, like the overreaction. So I'm, I'm kind of somewhere in between. I know a lot of you sit on the edge of your seat awaiting my incredibly crappy football picks later in the week. Am I still in last? Uh, we are tied for last. You and I? I had a pretty damn rough week. I had a rough two weeks. Wow, you really sunk fast, brother. Yeah, last week was bad for all of us. Zach had the best record at, I think, six and four. That was five like two weeks five. ago. This, or, last, uh, this last week yeah, I wasn't. When K State played, Zach was five and five or six and four. And then this past week when K State did not play, everybody was like eight and two, seven and three, and I went like five and five or four and six. I, I only went six and four this week. Mm. Welcome to the neighborhood. Really? Yeah. It's a rough neighborhood. Keep your blinds drawn. And oh, my damn dad shots, keeps leading the charge right now. Floor. I have no Are clue. we all talking at once? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was bad radio. Anyhow. Damn it. Damn it, man. My dad is in the lead, and I don't know how. He picks K-State every week. Well, that's where I was going with this point. Until they prove me wrong, I am picking opponent, unless it's Kansas, because I haven't seen anything in Big 12 play that would encourage me to pick Kansas State against TCU. So I'm not going to pick them against Oklahoma, even if they beat TCU, but you get my point. Prove me wrong. And... Feel good about yourself because I picked TCU and I'm generally wrong. Yes. Go on. From Eric Black DV, if K-State loses Saturday versus TCU, how do you think fan attendance will trend for the rest of the year? Bad. I. It's not like, I don't, I mean... Define it. Define what you mean by fan attendance. Do you mean the number that's going to go down on the sheet? Do you mean who's going to stay after halftime? Look, K-State football has been the same exact damn thing for the last five years. Basically, ever since I got to college, K-State football attendance has been the same thing where it's it's a good showing. It started when you came to college? Well, when I was in high school, it was 2000, the 2014 season, mm-hmm. and they stayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, guess we know the cause of this. Oh, it's right. Okay. All right. Yeah, had nothing I to do with the fact it. that Joe Hubner was playing quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but you were on the field when Jesse Ertz got injured. This is a fact. I was there. The one game you shot video. <laughs> Poorly. Um, I don't know. I mean, people show up. Everybody's pretty excited for the first half, and they either blow the opponent out or they're getting blown out. And nobody wants to come back. Or if it's a close game, they come back for a little bit of the third quarter and then they leave because now it's the game's over. I think as K-Staters, it's time to embrace the fact that you don't have the same spirit you used to. I I will blame what the program became under Bill Snyder. I will put that right out there. Riley was right. It, It... was either a big win or a big loss or they weren't playing well or they were playing well. So people just got up and, you know, I'm going to go tailgate at halftime and never come back. But we can track it as soon as K-State lost two games. You can see the traffic and the downloads go down. It's like we're just not as interested in the loser. I guess it's all fan bases, but 
It's discouraging because I don't think K-State used to be that way. I really don't. But, you know, maybe this is the reality they've settled into. We'll see. We'll see. A win would go a long ways for the spirit of the fan base. But I don't necessarily see that happening. From Purple Powerhouse, and it's all Purple Purple Powerhouse the rest of the podcast. Ooh, Tongue Twister. Well, the first half of the podcast. First half of the podcast. My bad. From Purple Powerhouse, who is the most notable overachiever and underachiever on both mm. offense and defense? I think the most notable overachiever on defense has still is Jordan Mitty. Um, either him or Elijah Sullivan. Kyle I, Ball? I'd go with Mitty. I mean, yeah. Mitty's a clear cut. Overachiever? Yeah. Clear cut. Underachiever. underachiever on defense. I was kind of going there, too. Reggie Walker. Oh, that one. Yeah, him. Sorry, I thought you were flashing the number five. No. You were flashing the number five twice. (laughs) No. No. Reggie Walker. I. Yeah, I'm, I kind of forgot about him, to be honest. <laughs> that, that's why. He's an underachiever. I forgot about him. Reggie, where have you gone? This is... Uh, for, we need freshman Reggie back. Freshman Reggie was mean Reggie. Freshman Reggie had Jordan Willis. Yeah, but... I mean, look, I I think Reggie's a very good defensive end, and I think he's better than the way he plays. However, facts don't lie. He had his best year when he had Jordan Willis, and he wasn't the guy. It's not like they stopped blocking him his freshman season. He was still going against someone. They're not doubling him now. Why would you double Reggie Walker right now? Would you block Reggie Walker right now? Leave him just run read option, run at him. <laughs> I don't know. It's bad. Offense. I, again, I'm not an offensive line coach, so it's very tough for me yeah, to, tough to analyze there. which offensive lineman it is. Probably France. If I had to overachiever, one, underachiever, underachiever, yeah, this season, yeah, I would, I would agree with you. Scott's not having a good season. Overachiever, Harry Trotter, for two games, he's kind of disappeared. Philip Brookson, I'm trying to think, man, man, yeah. Hey, who are you gonna pick? I don't have a good answer. Those, the last two games have clouded my judgment of this offense so much. No one's overachieving. They have two damn touchdowns. Oklahoma State scored more than that in one quarter. Sorry to get mad. The overachiever on offense is Devin Engdahl, the punter. <laughs> Technically, the ball is in his hands. That makes him offense. He gets to play on fourth down and gets rid of the ball in a very efficient and uh, entertaining manner. Thank you. If you are climbing Messingham, Hazleton, what is the biggest thing that you work on to get the offense and defense better during the off week? I've said it over and over. Do your damn job. Guys, there's one breakdown on almost every play, offensive and defensive, and sometimes it's incredibly costly. Do what you're supposed to be doing. If you're pulling, get to where you're going. I mean, the timing's off on offense and defense. Oh, I'm supposed to be over there? You mean I'm not supposed to stand behind my teammate as the ball carrier runs past where I'm supposed to be? It's frustrating to watch the film. Oh, my God. Well, we have a question about this in the second half, but I'm. we've heard the phrase, we had a few guys miss their fits. We weren't in our right gaps. I thought they just that missed f- me. <laughs> no, that's not you. Misfits. F-I-T-S, I believe. Uh. 
they've used that phrase too much this year. And I'm not saying it's not accurate. I'm saying they've used it too much. That cannot be happening. It is accurate, and and because they've used it that much, it sums up the problem. I mean, that's what's what's making those big plays. That's what's uh, wearing you down. And and that's a smarter football team than that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What do you think has been the biggest thing that Chris Kleiman has had to adjust at the Big 12 level? Ooh. Okay, look. Question. I forgot I put that in there. He, uh... I respect the fact that he wants to keep the football as football thing, but you didn't have this gauntlet. You just don't. You don't. You might have had better players and more players at North Dakota State than you currently have at Kansas State, and you might have won one game in a one-game series against Big 12 competition, but if you lined up the next week and the week after and the week after and you put everything on film, it would be a lot more difficult. I'm sorry, Coach. That's the reality. If anyone thinks the Missouri Valley is somehow comparable overall to the Big 12, I want to sell you crack cocaine because you're on it. It's ridiculous to even think that. It's brutal. You have played Baylor and Oklahoma State teams with which you should be comparable and gotten your butts whipped. And you're about to face TCU, who also falls in that same category. How will you do? Oh, by the way, then you got Oklahoma, a team that fits in no category with anyone else in this conference, and probably only a handful of teams nationally. It's brutal. He played, Chris Kleiman coached one, maybe two tough games a year in the regular season at North Dakota State. He coached two tough games in the FCS playoffs. And sometimes it wasn't the championship game. Yeah. I'm not trying to diminish anything about, like, it, it was. it's still damn impressive. It is. It's absolutely impressive. But it's not the same. Yes, they beat Minnesota. Yes, they beat KU. Yes, that 2013 North Dakota State team might have been the greatest FCS football team of all time and probably could have hung, I think it was 2013, yeah, and probably could have hung with a lot of teams in the Big 12 in those, like you said, one-game series. But if they had to play all all ten teams that year, or you know whatever, they maybe win three, four. North Dakota State isn't even comparable to Oklahoma in this conference. Oklahoma is by far the best team in the conference, and you could say Texas and South Dakota State are the, you know, the rival there that challenge them every year but you know who the better team is and who should win even if they don't always but then you go beyond that and you find other teams that could maybe beat Oklahoma maybe not this season but they will be challenged they will have a game jump up and get them Kansas gave them some troubles at times certainly at halftime it was a close game are you telling me that the last place team in the Missouri Valley is going to do that to North Dakota State. No. Nope. No, there's way too much disparity there. It's play your backups and win by 30 if you want. Because you're that established in who you are, who you recruit, what your systems are, everyone's ingrained. The Big 12, they just keep coming at you, man. Kansas might be the worst team in the league, and they will beat you if you're not ready. And let me toss this one out here real quick. Chris Kleiman has never coached in a lot of the situations he's in right now. It's situations, please. Is that what I said? That's what he said, situations. Situations. He, and I think that's shown in some of his decisions to kick field goals at times, to punt at times. 
he, he don't he doesn't necessarily have that that situational time. And I'm not saying he's not capable of it, but I don't think he's been in some situations that he hasn't faced. Yeah, or hasn't faced often. And you can question the decisions he's made on kicking field goals at times or punting at times. Why? Because he just hasn't faced that. He hasn't. And he's it's, always playing from the lead, or if he's behind, it's one score. And it's not like that would have cost you know change. Oh, if they'd have put, if they would have gone for it on fourth down against Baylor or whatever, you know, then they win the game. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's showing that there is a learning curve, despite what he might believe or say in a press conference. And he says situations, which bothers me. There's no G in situations. Or a D? I think it's situations. Sig. S-I-D-G-E. Yeah. Oh, oh, you think D-G? I just think yeah. it's G. Sig. Oh, you keep saying it, and I'm like, yeah, you're saying a it's D. It's like sludge. S-L-U-D-G. Okay, I'll buy that. Situations. It's an interesting northern accent that I'd never picked up on before. Last question of the Purple Powerhouse Power Hour here on the PowerCat Podcast. Sponsored by Teal. <laughs> How patient will the K-State fan base be over the course of this rebuild? Not enough. Can I – I feel I, I feel like we've kind of dug at Chris Kleiman a lot, and I don't mean for it to come off that no. way, but it's fair game because we do it to Bruce Weber a lot, whatever. Chris Kleiman has, and I was talking to D about this earlier, Chris Kleiman set this expectation for himself, not by beating Mississippi State. That wasn't what did it. Coming out and pounding on those first two teams isn't what did it. It was in the spring when we asked him about talent level. We asked about lack of weapons at certain positions. We asked about struggling, you know, whatever questions we asked him. And he continuously, multiple times said, this is not a rebuild. We are coming into a program that is well-established, has good talent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He set the bar pretty high. I'm not saying eight, nine wins. I'm saying the reason that nobody's looking at the situation right now and saying, well, yeah, the offense isn't good, but we we just don't have a lot of weapons. And, you know, people accepted that at Baylor because they knew that coming in. They knew what was going to be ahead of Matt Rule in this first season. I think Chris Kleiman's confidence, while we all enjoyed it in the spring and the offseason, kind of came back to bite him in the ass a little bit here. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have been confident. I'm just saying now you kind of see him retracking. You know, He's walking those comments back a little bit now. And um, so I I think that bar was set up there, and that's why people are so frustrated that they can't figure it out against Big 12 teams is because he had that confidence, he won those games, and now people are just like, what the hell? This wasn't supposed to be a rebuild. We were supposed to pick it up and run with it. So I understand that, and um, I think that's kind of where this is starting to stem from. I promise you one thing from us. We will always speak our mind. We're not beholden to anyone. We don't tow a company line. And probably it's bad business to be so honest at times. But we will always speak our mind. And this isn't all sitting at Chris Kleiman's feet. Riley makes a great point. But the sloganeering has really worn thin with a lot of people. You're going to pound the stone. You're going to win the dang day. It's it's good. It's fun. It, it might sell some tickets. But at the end of the day, there's nothing meaningful in there that wins you football games. That happens on the practice field and in the locker room. So you got to be patient, people. You know, when I see something wrong, I will say it. But you've got to understand this. We told you about it. That's why I wrote that Bill Snyder needed to retire. It was a bad situation. There wasn't enough depth. There wasn't enough quality. There wasn't enough athleticism. 
You know, one of the founding principles Bill Snyder had when he built this program from nothing into a national title contender was that he never cut corners on speed. If you didn't have speed, no matter what position it was, you weren't recruited by him in Snyder 1.0. If you had speed and you could play football, he brought you in. That left in Snyder 2.0. It became about putting together a kick-ass Boy Scout troop. They won a lot of merit badges, and the winds of football games started to drop. And they weren't as fast, they weren't as athletic, and they couldn't put on the kind of muscle mass and weight that we'd seen in the past. It's going to take a little time here. they got to get things going. I know what Chris Kleiman wants to do, and I really do believe in his long-term plan because it's really not much different than Bill Snyder 1.0. And if he gets back to those principles... The same principles, really, he had at North Dakota State, a great walk-on program that also brings in recruits that can develop into something really special and unique that left people wondering, how the hell did that guy end up at Kansas State? You know those players. They're all over the wall in our studio here. A lot of them are Kansans. Terrence Newman, Darren Sproles, Jordy Nelson. Mark Semino staring at me right now. He's a poster child for what could happen with hard work and development, and he never compromised on speed. And this team's slow. That's not Chris Kleiman's fault. That's what he inherited, and Riley's exactly right. It wasn't a rebuild, is what he said. He was hoping it wouldn't be this way. But folks, Saturday, as you head to Bill Snyder Family Stadium, welcome to the rebuild. We'll be back. Stay locked in. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to this week's Powercat Questions podcast. The first half is behind you. You can seek counseling at any moment and get over it, but now we're moving on to the second half, which will be equally traumatic, I'm sure, as we cover topics about Kansas State sports, including a little basketball here. Basketball Media Day is later today at the Ice Center. Got a nice little practice facility. Might as well use it. The year K-State was so bad, like 20-some-odd people showed up to media day. And I was like, why? <laughs> it's media day. If you're going to show up for one thing, you show up for media day. You show up for media day, so that way when you apply for credentials for the KU game, you can say, well, I went to media day. Yeah. 
Well, I was here for UMKC, Washburn, and Fort Hayes State, so get in line. Oh, promising K-State basketball season. I'm intrigued to see what happens, and we'll have more on that later, maybe next week. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have time to tuck in a separate podcast. Yeah, well, I mean, we could focus the second half next week around basketball or something like As that I if we get enough questions. My five-hour energy. We just got a lot of stuff going on, man. We have a football game. You know what we call it, folks. Welcome to the overlap. Can you imagine if they left this game on Thursday this week? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing this right now. I'd be working on a pregame podcast. I would be dead. Hey, but another Saturday off. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Mm -hmm. That is weird. This was supposed to be the Thursday night game. Yep. And that's why they had this off week. It was parked beautifully for that. And then both programs said, eh, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. The Chiefs are on. Yeah, the Chiefs play the Broncos on Thursday. Well, then I'm glad they're not doing it on Thursday. <laughs> not that I want to watch the Chiefs. So are 50,000 K-State fans. <laughs> hey, folks, we're lining up our next series, season, mini-season. How many words can I think of to describe this? Of the Power Chat. And I'd love to have your feedback if you have any good suggestions on who we should add into this four-episode. Well, is it four episodes with eight parts? How do you want to talk about this, Zach? We have four subjects, but oh, two parts apiece. It's, it's technically it. four episodes because it's it's for example, it's Skylar Thompson is the episode part one. No, I, I think it's eight I think episodes. It's eight episodes. I think you're right. It's four interviews, eight episodes. That's what we want to say. You can tell we're well prepared for this. Anyhow, I I think I know the four people we're going to do. But if anyone has any piece of brilliance uh, or Jordy Nelson's phone number. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, hit me up. I'd love to get Jordy on. Uh, we have not been able to make full connection with him. He may not want to do it. Good for him. Because the Twitter account, Nordy Jelson, is not the real Jordy Nelson. Nordy Jelson, you almost had me, man. Did have you. <laughs> At the last second, I'm like, no, it's not him. <laughs> if we great. hang out, Nelson's landing long enough. Oh, he might drop by. <laughs> Has to. But that have been great to set up an interview and just some guy walks in. <laughs> I wish that would have happened now. Hi, I'm Nordy Jelson. You want to interview me? I'll be like, all right, cool. That's the power chat. Cool. Nordy Jelson. That's going to be about how you tricked us. We got duped. <laughs> how Fitz was catfished by Nordy Jelson, who's now famous. It's a great, it's a great Twitter handle, too. Oh, but yeah, I think we know who we want. We need to line them up, pick them off, and get it rolling in November for the next mini season of the Power Chat. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. You know that. We're happy that they're still with us. They do talk about how many people on game day make it into the fridge. One thirty kick, leave your liquor at home, pick it up on your way to the stadium. They open at 9, get into the fridge, get it fresh off that booze tree at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. This segment sponsored by the High Low. After the cats beat the frogs, you will want to celebrate. Can I recommend a pizza pie and a beer at the High Low? The High Low, located in the low or high part of Aggieville. The higher low. The low part, wouldn't it? It depends on how you look at it. East. It's in the east, (laughs) the 1100 block, a few doors down from the former. Go Power Cat World Headquarters, now about a half mile from us. I need more five-hour energy. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. I'll be chugging 1.75 ounces. 
All in one sip, because I'm a man. From Duckhook8, what is a misfit? I've never heard of that term before this year in a football context. That was just because Coach didn't really... Coach Snyder didn't really get into technical terms. Well, he would talk about getting your right fit. I never really remember him saying that. I mean, it's just it's it's the being in the right spot, essentially. I guess that's the easiest. Everyone way to has a gap assignment typically on a defensive scheme, and you got to be in your gap. So if the ball comes through your gap, you're there. And someone's not in the right gap; they're misfitting. Blitzer is backing a. You know, it's basically where you're lining up or what what hole you're shooting between linemen or you know whatever your respective position right. position says it's also if you take me to the opera i felt that was a pretty good question because i have noticed that i think every single player on this team uses the word misfits and mr fits and lingo trickles down from the top it's kind of yep. like uh it is really funny if you correlate coach climb and press conferences and then player press conferences you're like man i was almost in the meeting i just know everything they've said yeah it they pick up what their coaches say and they bring it to us. From GT Cat, outside of Skylar Thompson, who will need to be the biggest impact player on offense in the remaining seven games for K State to make a bowl game? I mean, I want to, I want to say like Malik Knowles, but that seems easy. Also, I don't think it's Malik because I think James would be before Malik. James Gilbert has to be, or you know, the running back committee. They they need to run the ball. No matter we talk about their passing game stinking, but if you're not running the ball, the passing game is going to stink even more. Yeah, and I guess you can make an argument that goes to the offensive line. It's just tough for me to identify because there's not really one. I mean, I'm sure if I sat and broke down every play, yes, they would run to one side more than the other. But I don't really feel like they're a run heavy one way or the other team. So I can't point to you and go, oh, Nick Kaltmeyer needs to block better, or oh. Uh, Tyler Mitchell would really need to step up. I I feel like we're on a never lending never ending chain here. You know, offensive line needs to play better. Why so Everyone the running does. back can play? Why does the running back need to play better? So the receiving game can get better. Like now, if you want a more in depth analytical answer, I'll go with Joshua Youngblood, and here's why: because he's healthy, he can play. Malik's obviously out again, and might be out for a while. Makes me wonder if he didn't re-injure his foot. If he was able to play. Well, now he can't after two more weeks. Makes me curious. However, I'm going to say this because Youngblood is the one guy that I really believe has the skill set, the strength, and the speed to make defenses pay for going man on the outside. Because right now they can go man on the outside, load up those safeties to watch for the run, and trust that K-State's receivers can't consistently get open or make them pay with a big big pass play. I mean, if, if you can't make them pay with a strike downfield, you know, a catch and run, they'll keep playing that man. You've got to make them pay. And so I understand when K-State continues to try to throw the ball, they're trying to cash in what the defense is giving them, but you also need to run it. They just haven't been able to cash it in. I mean, there's just not enough threat there. Maybe it's the plays they're calling. Maybe it's the Patterns are running, but someone needs to make defenses pay for man on the on the outside. And TCU will do the same, and I won't be surprised if TCU uses a three-man front because they show it on occasion, but typically a four-man front. But Gary Patterson isn't a dummy. He'll probably run that three-man front because K-State can't figure it out. You know, why reinvent the wheel? Three-man front, man on the outside, beat us. 
Seems like an easy way to win. From QuesoCat, how many JUCO kids will we sign this year? Which positions do you think we will look to bring in JUCO recruits? Did you notice the sudden wave of new offensive linemen that have been offered? Yeah. That's exactly where I was going with it, too. Uh, There's some... I have a feeling that we have been getting fed some, I don't want to say BS. Uh, we've been getting fed some very homerish takes on the young offensive linemen throughout the years. Well, they just don't have the depth. And I think they're going to sign at least two Juco offensive linemen, if not three. I think they will sign at least one defensive lineman, maybe a D-end. They're going to have to. There's, There's no way... They're going to get enough people to step up and replace the quality like that, I don't think. At the end of the day, I'll be shocked if they don't sign a receiver, too. A Juco receiver? If they can find a receiver that can come in. You know, it's rare that a Juco receiver comes in and makes a big impact. I I can't give you a number. I can't give you, because I don't know, like, like literally everything that they're they're looking for. That's a question better equipped for Wally. But we've, like you noted, or like you just noted, Definitely have been offering more linemen, so they're going to take one of those. The Juco receiver route is interesting because I feel like they shouldn't need to, but I feel like they could eventually. But, I mean, it's not going to – it's not like they're going to sign, like, 11 Juco kids or anything like that. I mean, you know. It's, it's kind of funny. When I asked Chris Kleiman about it last week, he says it's not like we're going to go out and sign eight. I'm like, well, that's all? <laughs> really? That's it? That's what you think's excessive? Oh! Maybe maybe you could sign eight. I don't know. <laughs> From midtime, BB – with the kind of offense we run, is it difficult to recruit good wide receivers? I don't. No. No, I don't think so. I. I... No matter how much of a run-heavy team you want to be in 2019, you must throw the ball. Everybody knows that. Chris Kleiman knows that. Courtney Messingham knows that. They don't not throw the ball. They just don't have the setup right now. And no matter how often the pass works with however many teams in college football. Running the ball is always going to make everything so much easier. So, yeah, they're a run-first team, but there has to be somebody out there to catch the ball. NFL scouts aren't going to be swayed by deceptive offensive stats born of a scheme that throws the ball a lot. They're going to see if you can run, catch, run routes reliably, block downfield, do the things that real receivers do, not just make catches, tons and tons of catches of the same pattern over and over and over. That doesn't get you into the league. Might make your tummy feel good, but it doesn't get you into the league. You've got to be able to get out there and do all the things that an NFL guy needs to do, and you'd learn that in this system. So maybe on a shallow read, so to speak, yeah, it's going to be hard to recruit receivers. But you get a kid that's serious about it, they'll be able to sell them. Literally perfect example, DeAnthony Thomas and Byron Pringle. Yeah. What has D'Anthony Thomas done for the Kansas City Chiefs except muff a few punts throughout his career? Great college stats. Amazing receiver. Everybody wanted him. Turns out he's not that good of a pass catcher. Can't really catch a punt. He can run like the wind, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't catch the ball or you're not open because you haven't run a good crisp pattern. And now Byron is probably option four for Pat Mahomes. Yes. I think I just threw four out there, but I think that's actually right. Tyreek. Kelsey, Hardman, well, Watkins when he's in there and healthy. Four or five. Not bad. You're missing someone else, and I'm totally spacing his name. All right, that's fine. You can tweet me. <laughs> it's not like you guys don't yell at me enough. <laughs> 
from infected testicle. How much impact will K-State's win win loss record have? Uh, Kleiman's ability to recruit none, not this year at least. Uh, it's that's the biggest. Look, if you're Clemson or Alabama, your win loss record counts because you're getting the guys that expect to come in. Let's be honest; they they want it easy. They're real. They've done nothing but win. They've always been the best athletes, and they want to go to the place where they can be the big star on the biggest stage. You win, and if you drop off, that's going to hurt your recruiting. So when they drop off, they tend to drop off pretty dramatically. We've seen it happen in other programs. But when you're recruiting the kids, K-State, and I'll throw Kansas into this, being able to advertise playing time. Look, we have no depth. You can come in and compete right away. We need you. You aren't going to go into development here where we're going to park you behind a five-star and a four-star, and you're going to have to wait your turn. You can compete right now. That's a great sales pitch for a kid who wants to play. And if a kid comes back and says, "Well, I don't, you know, I like you, coach. I, uh, K-State's interesting, but you went four and eight this year." I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not predicting K-State's going four and eight. Headline: Renegade <laughs> says Cats four and eight. You went four and eight this year. I don't, you know, how can you convince me that we're going to win when I get there? Literally, all Chris Klein has to do is throw his team under the bus <laughs> to a recruit. We just didn't have the talent this year. I inherited a, a pretty rough situation with talent. We didn't have enough depth to get through the Big 12 yeah. season. I got some good players, but we need more just like you. Exactly. It's pretty easy. And here's $100. From Adam K. 63. <laughs> Strap it on the back of the playbook like in the yeah. draft day. Here's a, here's a playbook. You look at that. Here, look at page one. <laughs> From Adam K. 63. Do you think that the Big 12 officials are getting worse with their calls, and are they even getting trained properly? I think officials are getting worse. What is going on, man? We're seeing it at the NFL. The NFL is a train wreck right now. Yeah. And, man, that call in the Tech-Baylor game should get people fired. That's not knowing the rules. That isn't bad judgment, pass interference, or holding, or whatever. They misinterpreted football rules to say that was a, an illegal snap. It wasn't an illegal snap. It was a snap that the guy dropped and was a fumble. It was a perfectly legal snap recovered by the other team. Should have ended the game as soon as Tech scored. I think there's a lot to be said right now for officials wanting, and we've I think we've argued this a lot before with basketball, but I think officials want, it, want the show to be about them still. Well, replays ruin the game. Because, one, it's made officials lazy. They've got the backup. They're gonna, we're going to get it right, you know. I don't want to be precise right now. And, two, they get a lot of camera time. Mm-hmm. When do you think, if you think, college game starts putting in those ridiculous rules like the NFL has with the challenge the PI, challenge this and that? I mean, it's not going to stop at PI. Eventually, they're going to make it holding. They're going to make it... Uh, false start. I mean, honestly, I think I think we're heading there. Games will take six and a half hours, and I won't be shocked if the college game adds the challenge the PI next year. Well, what people have missed is the NFL added that to calm down the uproar over the end of the Saints game. That yeah. Rams Saints game. Knee jerk reaction if I've ever seen one. But they added in wording in there that meant basically you really have to screw up. It has to be so egregious and obvious that, like that was, that we know we have to overturn it. 
And and the coaches are out there going, that's pass interference. Well, yeah, if called in the regular flow of the game, it could be or not be. But they're only going to change things that are obviously. Or the NFL intentionally put it in there. We're going to deny all pass interferences, and we're going to get rid of the rule after a year and move on. Could be that. Travis Kelsey got his ass tackled on Sunday, and, and they there didn't was call nothing. That's, he Andy his, Reid's a smart coach. To be clear, he got his whole body tackled. Oh, yes. Yes. But his ass hit the ground. Okay. I mean. Andy never. Reid's a smart coach. He wouldn't have challenged that if, if he had not been blatantly wrapped up and tackled without the football. And they still didn't call it. Like, if they didn't call that, what are they going to call? I, that's, that's an, I haven't heard that theory yet. They put that rule in to calm down the uproar, and then we're going to kill the rule because it just wasn't effective. I mean, media people are already encouraged. They're like, why are you throwing a challenge flag at this point? You're okay. not going to get it reversed. You're going to lose a timeout. It's like, yeah. We need challenge flags in here. I don't agree with your opinion. Yeah, I would have thrown one last week on Riley's color takes. Damn, that pissed some people off. Wow, how about that? You got called out, man. I got called out again this week for my apology. Wow, they've turned on you. No kidding. And I just want purple and teal. <laughs> and I do I get called out for wanting purple and teal like the 1990s Bramlage Coliseum color scheme? No. You know why? Because secretly everyone wants it. You wanna? You know what else they need? What? The ushers need to wear the fuchsia shirts instead of the lime green ones. I like the fuchsia. It sets off my eyes. The Fuchsia shirts were the Eric Stone Street era of Bramlage Coliseum security. Amazing. <laughs> Have you noticed that none of this crap with KU happened? Nobody was charging the court and getting people injured when Stone Street was in charge? Well, they weren't winning games. I mean, these are facts. Hold on, Zach. Those are facts. I, I don't need your side opinions. These are facts. Did you like how I just put Stone Street in charge? Not just <laughs> one of the minions working the game. We're going to look back at that as the Stone Street era of Bramlett's column security and realize we were all in a safer world. A couple of basketball questions to go. end in the podcast from Queso Cat. Who will be the starting five during non-conference, and who will be the starting five by the end of by the end of Big Twelve play? <laughs> when will Zach hit puberty? Uh, I don't think the starting five will change this year. Can you work some cheese references into this for Case Okay? No, he gets enough of those in okay. the overtime. Uh, I don't think the starting five will change unless somebody just absolutely comes out and surprises the hell out of everybody. I think he has set five players. I think. I think that well, there's one that I'm not sure about. I'm actually, gonna... I'm starting to second guess myself as I come into this because I don't know enough about David Sloan. Ooh, see, I, look, we got Mac, we got Gardier, so that's your your five and your one. Well, if David Sloan starts, he's the one. Okay, but go with me here. Xavier's probably the three. Yes, they've said that they don't want to use him at the four unless they have to. So that means you need a four. And, look, Dejuan Gordon's probably starting, and he's the two. So, oh, man. All right, basically there's – I think I said this before, but if Sloan starts, it'll be Sloan, Jada, Sneed, Gordon. That'd be Dejuan Gordon and Mac. So you're going to have Xavier at the four, which they've said yeah, they don't want to do. exactly. But the question is, is David Sloan that good in that point guard? I think Sloan's the backup – Guard. He's the Corby Irvin. 
I hate to make that's such a lazy comparison. Yeah, but it's true. He's he's Cardi from last year. Yeah, I'll come in and play the one. I'll play the two. Maybe I'll play the one all the time, and everyone else slide over the two. So you think Murphy at the four? I do. Yeah, or the other Gordon. I want to see camp develop, but we need to hear some comments first. Like honestly, at this point, we're just shooting in the dark. We haven't had any practices. We haven't heard from anybody. We don't know how everybody's coming along. It's not going to be Stockard. It's not going to be Love. It's not going to be Shad. I think it'll be a freshman before them. Yeah, we don't we don't hang out with people. Um, I'm ready for media day. I'm ready for media day just to start to get a feel for this team. And look, a real feel. I want to be around them. You can get filled up with fluff all you want. Exactly. I mean, everything's hunky-dory. If I believed all the fluff I was fed through the years, man, I'd, I'd be watching some dudes in the NBA who never finished college. Had a, had a few natties. Yeah. So I'm just anxious. I'm anxious. That's the perfect word. I don't know what to expect. I think some people are being over-optimistic. I think some people out there are being really too hard on this group. But It's a puzzling team. It's a puzzling team. Just going through the starting lineup, how does everything fit together? And what's your realistic expectations if you're starting two true freshmen? Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to go through a growing season. Yeah. I, I look, I, I want I want to stop going through rebuilding seasons this far into a coaching tenure, but I'm this is where it's at. Go through the growing season this year because you've given us reality on the other side. You got a good class this year, as far as we can tell. Next year appears to be a great class. So okay, I see the the other end of this tunnel. And it's just going to be dark here at the start, but we'll see where they end up. And if they make it to the tournament with this group, man, the future's bright. I don't see that. I think it'll be a postseason team, but I'm using the Tom Asbury postseason. That postseason might be in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the greatest injustice done to Kansas State basketball when Tom Asbury changed the conversation from NCAA tournament bid to postseason bid because the NIT then became acceptable. But for a season like this, I'll take it. I'm just going to lower that bar down to there. So if they exceed it, then, boy, I'll really think the future's bright. I think a lot of people are setting themselves up for disappointments. And it's not really about scoring points for me. It's about defense and knowing how to play that beautiful defense that Bruce Weber coaches. They're going to have a learning experience doing that. I will sacrifice and go to that early season game in Vegas to monitor the progress of this team as it goes through these growing pains. And I cover a game with a hangover. I'm a giver. Rounding out the podcast, Queso Cat, uh, what will be the rotation players in minutes per game during Big 12 play? I can't give you minutes per game, honestly. Like I, I just, terrific. I'm not good enough at that right now, obviously. Um, none of us are well educated enough, but well, like but we don't know enough about the other guys, right? We just don't we don't know anything about these freshmen and where they're really at. And maybe Levi, a guy like Levi, did take a massive step, please. And I, and you know, maybe he's turned into a fifteen to sixteen minute a game guy. Maybe I don't he's know. The four. I don't think that's good. <laughs> if that's the case, I don't like that. But maybe he is. Um, I think roughly they'll be. Uh, seven I mean, to eight deep. Take X and Cardi. 
35 minutes each a game? Oof. That's a lot, but probably. Yeah. A year but, and a half to be, probably. I mean, but that's that, what but Barry I mean, did. Barry was playing 38, 39. Barry was a specimen. I will fight that. There's no reason he should have been able to play 38 minutes a game for two straight seasons, but he did that. And be the shutdown defender. That did. It, that's not taking anything off. That doesn't make any sense to me still. I will never understand that. But I think you've probably got eight or nine. Nine is generous. You've probably got eight guys that you can truly rely on, that you can truly put in a game in a big situation, in a Big 12 game, and feel comfortable with. That's probably where you're at on as I sit here today. I don't know how many minutes they'll play. I will get zero minutes a game. This is confirmed. And all of you will be able to go have a beer or a lovely wine. Maybe I think you guys should make them all start serving you spritzers. Spritzers. It's a little. It's a little soda with wine. I should just get a seltzer. Do you well, think they'll sell seltzers with they the beer? Should. The official hard seltzer of the Big Twelve Conference. They have to. They have to. What, what is it? Natty Light seltzers. The official hard seltzer of the Big Twelve Conference. I'm not making that up. I know you're not. I just <laughs> forgot. I'm, I'm just clarifying. Troubled for by out there. it. I'm just troubled by it. Because you'd rather have a white claw. <laughs> I've, I have never had a White Claw. I've never had a Natty Light seltzer. I've never had a Truly. Mm, Truly's are gross. That seems to be the go-to female drink, man. No, claws, because white there's claw. no claw. There's no laws when you're on the claw. I didn't know that was a real thing. Yeah. Yep, no laws when you're on the claws. That's awesome. Well, in the future, this podcast will be done under the influence of White Claw. We will all be tanked on the claw because there is no law. So I'm told. Thanks to the fridge. Thank you, fridge. Go in and ask for Mike. He's your spritzer expert. Just walk in the door and say, is Mike here? I hear he knows his spritzers. You're welcome, Mike. We'll talk to you next week on the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate the fridge, Mike included, and, of course, our segment sponsors, Tanners and the High-Low. Have a good week as you lead up into this K-State versus TCU game. And, of course, we'll have the pregame podcast and your overtime podcast still percolating for later in the week. You've been listening to the Powercat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.